0: plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: This is Cork Today Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork
2: And good morning to you, even though a dull morning for the start of it, it's going to be one of the better days for this week. The rain will return again tomorrow and indeed for Friday, so if you are out and about today, make the most of it, and make the most of it if you are popping into the garden, because Peter Dowdall will be along from 12.30 this afternoon. If you have any questions for Peter from the garden, get them in to us, he'll give you the best advice he can. He's with us from 12.30 0862 103 103 on text and WhatsApp. Also ahead on this morning's programme, the future of the the IDA site in Fermoy. many feel this particular site is turning into a wildlife park as the site remains idle we'll be discussing that shortly with Deputy Sean Sherlock also how 62% of Irish people are now overweight we find out the effects this is having on us but also why the Irish Heart Foundation is asking people to get their health checked regularly and indeed how difficult it is then as you get older you have to meet certain BMI requirements because your BMI is your body Mass index, but as you get older, as you hit 30, 40, and 50, the actual index itself increases. So, whereby you might have been underweight for your particular height and age. When you were, for example 39, once you hit 40, the BMI increases a bit and that can change things. So discussing that with them this morning. Also uh, keeping it on the health uh, system and the health theme of things, uh, those of us who are on hospital waiting lists, we are at worst of risk anyhow um, of the outcome of our health and this basically is due to the delay in treatments. And This you would say not new news to us that if you are waiting for a particular operation and you're waiting for more than two or three years your condition will deteriorate especially as you're uh, getting older it's going to play more of an effect than maybe younger people anyhow the consultants are, have been discussing this at a recent conference they're not happy with the waiting list as they continue to increase and it's evident now those who have been on waiting lists for more to two to three years when they actually get themselves into the hospital uh, whether it is for a consultation or indeed uh, following that for an operation it's obvious uh, they, they have suffered and their outcome could have been a lot better if they were seen to in advance rather than waiting two, three or four years. Anyhow, discussing that this morning uh, with a consultant Uh, who feels something needs to be done sooner rather than later, especially for the older members of our society where this is having a bigger effect on. Also, we're gonna hear more about scams as more people fall for scams, unfortunately, be that online or on the phone. The Fraud Smart Clinic is in Cork. You might have heard that there on the news with Barry, coming to the Riverlee Hotel on Western Road, and we're gonna hear about that particular clinic and what to expect if you go along to that, and also more about those scams because they are still out there still phone scams still tech scams and email scams that are looking for people's personal details and more importantly looking uh, for people's bank account details and still despite all the warnings uh, that's given on local radio or indeed from the Gardaí or online or wherever people still do fall for these scam artists and get caught and lose money now it depends they might not lose a whole lot of money but any bit of money that you've earned is your money and it should not be scammed out I know we hear from some people who have been scammed out of 50, 60 euro and then other people who have been scammed out of 900 euros to over a 1,000 euros. So there can be large amounts and they can vary. Anyhow, we'll speak with the clinic that is coming to Cork Fraud Smart later in the show. And also on yesterday's show, Ger uh, was in contact with us from Mahada. And he was taken back because he wasn't happy that the Irish National Anthem or wasn't played before the Irish rugby match last Sunday morning when Ireland plays Scotland and he was looking for people's views on that. And we discussed the fact that Ireland's coal is the anthem for rugby as it is across the 32 counties of Ireland and we have a, a, a difference in the way of thinking and tradition here in Ireland from north and south. Some people in the north field there are to the UK and some people don't and because of all of that they decided to come up with a particular anthem for the whole country when it came to rugby and that is what we use and when we're playing abroad that's what is played and most people were happy with that but we got a number of calls yesterday after we raised that on the show, with various comments from people. So we get back to those comments because we got so much interaction on that either online or indeed on our phones and text yesterday. We'll get back to that particular issue, and we did look into Ireland's call and why that particular song was written, and what other sports have adopted that song for sports that are played right across uh, that have players from right across the 32 counties who represent the island of Ireland. So we'll get into that later in the show, but your are welcome on that as well, 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 862 103 -103. and uh, Michael T. Higgins, our president, has come out in the last few days. Last week he was speaking at the National Ploughing Championships and he gave his view on what was happening with regard to the beef crisis and beef prices that farmers were at the time picketing factories for. Uh, he felt we need to look after basically our rural producers. Now that was what he said at his a- actual speech of the opening. He did change his tune a bit following that in front of TV cameras when we interviewed. It didn't wasn't as open but at a speech, uh, at, at the particular ploughing opening. He did say uh, that we need to look after our producers and he was hoping for some type of an outcome in that particular dispute. Well, again uh, this morning he's making the news and Michael D. Higgins says that he's well within his constitutional right to speak out about certain issues. Many felt that he has spoken too much over the last while about issues that he should not be speaking about. Well, he says he can and the President says he wasn't elected just to read speeches that were handed directly to him. Uh, Critics have said he is straying beyond his constitutional remit as president but what do you make of this I mean do you like when Michael D speaks out and shoots from the hip or would he rather he just didn't see anything and as he put it read directly what was given to him from some civil servant. so what's your view on that do you think Michael D is right that he should be just, just be able to say it as it is I mean in the past he has criticised government decisions and uh, last week was basically saying that the farmers need to be looked after Uh, while some within government were waiting to see what was going to happen with the farm organisations and the meat factories and the talks Michael D basically set it out straight so what do you think? Is he right? Do you think that he is correct to speak out what he feels or uh, should he like others are saying he is straying beyond his constitutional remit which he feels he isn't what's your view should he stay dumb, or should he be able to speak out let us know text or whatsapp 86 2103 and you can tweet this morning at c103cork or email jp at c103.ie and speaking of politics, uh, I still must catch up on a lot of calls and emails into the programme yesterday from the decision by councillors to increase the local property tax for Cork County by 5%, which means everybody's going to pay an extra 5% in our local property tax if you're in Cork County uh, on the next due date, which is usually November or December. But on that, uh, there is a lot of talk, of course, from what we had on the show in the last hour of the show yesterday when it was ruled what Boris Johnson basically did by uh, pushing the British Parliament on hold, more or less, was incorrect and was unlawful. And basically, they were saying he broke the law and people were asking yesterday, you know, if I break the law, I will be held to account. So will Boris Johnson be held to account for him breaking the law. Well, uh, Boris Johnson is flying back home from America after the UK Supreme Court ruled his suspension of Parliament was unlawful. Now MPs will return to the Commons uh, from 11.30 this morning and the British Prime Minister is expected to face more calls for his resignation. And We'll wait and see if he will do that or not. It doesn't seem like he is going to resign anytime soon anyhow. But Michael in Castleton Bear on that particular issue says, Yesterday John Paul was a groundbreaking Breaking day. It was an extraordinary day. The consequences politically, constitutionally, and legally were absolutely massive. It seems to the Prime Minister as just a little legal setback, not much more than that, and he can carry on as if nothing happened. Business as usual, no apology, no man rush back from the USA. Definitely not a resigning matter. Well, Michael says the man is completely dislocated from what was happening in this side of the Atlantic. Forget about Brexit, being found guilty of lying to the Queen, Michael says lucky, he is not being sent to the tower, and on an important issue and the shock waves the judgment that sent through the globe, you think that would be enough for any decent honourable prime minister? to resign and of course the shockwave he's mentioning is that judgement from the Supreme Court yesterday in London but it just goes to show as he doesn't seem to be resigning so far anyway uh, it shows that he is not Prime Minister material uh, says Michael in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp to 862 103, 103. so your views welcome on what Michael is saying there regarding Brexit and regarding the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, who was basically uh, found what he did with the Uh, House of Commons and indeed the a parliament in the UK It was ruled uh, Unlawful And still A lot of people saying this morning He should just walk Because he liked the Queen Anyway Does it affect Brexit What will play out Over the next while We are not too sure uh, Basically anything can happen It's like watch your soap At the moment When it comes to Brexit Anyhow uh, Let us know your views on that Our lines are open 1850 333 103 Text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103 You can email JP At c103 Dot IE Or tweet At c103 Cork At c103 wins the morning Lines open Burnley takes your calls and comments, 1850 333 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 So yesterday we had the news that local councillors here in Cork have voted 27 to 24 We spoke to those that voted for this and those that voted against to increase the local property tax by 5% which means we'll all pay higher now on the next due date which I think is around November, December. Anyhow we had a lot of comments in on that just some more that have come into us uh, this morning and indeed uh, throughout the course of yesterday afternoon on this because the majority of calls we got yesterday is from people who feel they're paying this property tax and they're seeing nothing back in return and the argument of that from some councillors was it was invested in parks in Balancholic and Carrick too, that is fine while others feel great it's invested but not all areas are seeing this and outer areas of the county and more rural areas are not seeing uh, the the money they're being paid into property tax coming back out to the likes of the Castletown Bear areas. Let's say Newmarket, Kenturk, Mitchellstown, Kinsale. Those areas feel they're not seeing any return for their property tax. And then people living in rural areas who have sank their own wells for water, have their own septic tanks, you know, have to dig uh, deep for their own roadways and driveways and the roads into their houses are full of potholes. One man was actually sent us a photo. He's standing in a pothole in a rural road. It's so bad there. Uh, So with all of that, those living in rural areas to provide their own services say they're getting absolutely nothing uh, from the property tax. So does it need to be reformed? Well on that a number of calls and comments in Uh, we'll go through some of them that we have got uh, yesterday afternoon and this morning Angela uh, who lives near Bandon says the verges at the side of the roads have not been caught in six years. Is it the farmers or the council responsible for the verges? They are getting very overgrown and the farmers say it is the council and then the council changed their mind and say it's the farmers' responsibility. Uh, while Councillor Ian Doyle, he voted against the increase in property tax and he says the increase in carbon tax is likely to add three euros onto a bag of coal and Ian would know because he's a a, a, a coal delivery driver and delivers coal to people so he'll know the inside there when it comes to the increase on a bag of coal and Councillor Sean O'Donovan emailed us on the show yesterday afternoon and he says I voted against the 5% increase at yesterday's full council meeting because I did not agree with the particular tax Sean feels it should be abolished 80% of what is collected in Cork County is retained and 20% goes into an equalisation fund to help the smaller counties so since its inception in 2013 the tax was meant to improve services at local level this unfortunately has not happened and I cannot see the improvement services on the ground People are struggling to pay mortgages to pay rent childcare etc I am very disappointed that the council voted to increase the local property tax I was elected to represent the people abandoned and concealed district and have yet to meet anyone who agrees with the incoming increase says Fianna Fales councillor Sean O'Donovan on email to jp at c103.ie and Anne on text this morning saying I'm very angry with Cork County Council's decision to raise the local property tax the Green Party will ruin the country with taxes they did it before in government with Fine Gael, I hope the Green Party will not be part of a new government after the next election all the Green Party want to do is make cycle lanes and bring in taxes says Ann on text to 0862 103, 103 and on the issue of dumping we were sent pictures by EFA earlier this week they're on our Facebook page at C103 Cork because someone has dumped domestic rubbish three bags three large bags of domestic rubbish dumped on the McCroom Road out of Bandon it's near Castle if you know that area that particular crossroads where there's I think it's an ESB substation or something uh, as you drive out towards the McCroom area on your right uh, Michels will be on your left at that particular junction there just beyond that three large domestic rubbish bags dumped and despite efforts as many are saying by local councils uh, to tackle flight tipping it just continues across the county anyhow you can see Uh, the the size of those bags and domestic rubbish dumped there on our Facebook page go to C103 Cork on Facebook and some good news first of all if you're living in Balgoolie news that Irish Water will start Balgooli's scheme and the last part of this particular works will be completed in the next couple of weeks and should be completed then well they'll start in the next couple of weeks and it should be completed by February 2020 which I'm sure is welcome news for those in Balgooli and finally in Cork McSherry there's um, a lot of celebration because a giant bluefin tuna weighing 600 pounds and measuring eight and a half feet in length was caught off Court Mac. This was during the weekend. A, the huge fish, it was caught by Dave Edwards of the Corkmac Shirley-based West Cork Charters and as part of an ongoing catch and release programme aimed at establishing population numbers for the fish in the North East Atlantic. But this particular bluefin tuna, it's a prized delicacy in Japan where an individual fish can sell for tens of thousands of dollars. And now this fish has gone back into the sea, but it shows uh, how much can be made in Japan if this fish was caught. Anyhow, joint bluefin tuna uh, off the coast of a courtmac. 1850 333 lines open we'll get through as many of your comments as we can across the morning. More coming into us here on various issues we'll get to those. You can text us on WhatsApp 0862103103 103. But what is to happen with the IDA site in Fermoy? We'll find out next.
0: Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment.
2: 1850 103. The IDA site in Fermoy has been in the news for the last number of years. Reports recently in the Avendu said it was like a wildlife park and local concerns are saying that not enough is being done to create Employment In the area of Fermoy and indeed Mitchellstown With local labour deputy for Cork East Sean Sherlock joins me on the issue Good morning to you Sean
1: uh, Good morning John Paul Forgive the the noise in the background That's the, the usual morning bells
2: Oh the bells so, at the dial, yeah. at the dial. So, oh, okay.
1: Sorry about that background noise
2: N- No problem at all we'll, we'll get over that But on the idea side first of all A lot of people Sean locally are saying It's turning into a wildlife park Has it gone into that particular condition And, and, and a bad condition that we have weeds overgrowing there?
1: It it has, and I think it's probably a, a, a reflection of the fact that there hasn't been any activity on the site, that the site has gone to that, you know, state of or that condition. And it now begs the question as to whether or not the 17 odd acres that are in Formoy, you know, the 160 acres, for instance, that are in Carrick Tool, you know, the land that's there as well in Mallow, you know, whether or not if we're talking about foreign direct investment, so that's external companies coming into Ireland, whether or not we now need to look seriously at whether the sites that I refer to there, Carrie Tool, you know, Mallow for Moy, now need to be looked at in a more imaginative way, such that if proposals come in from Irish companies or Irish entities to to seek to use the land for Uh, you know, job creation or to create companies. Maybe there needs to be a changing of the strategy or the policy by the IDA. Now, I can understand the IDA saying, look, we need to hold on to this land uh, because you just never know when uh, you know, a foreign company, foreign direct investment company would come in. And when I was minister, we had Abec coming into for my uh, on my watch, for instance, and also on my watch in Mallow you also had the expansion of, of the company Maala, you know, uh, which was a, a, a an automotive derivative uh, company. So I, I would. Caution though that there needs to be, for instance, if you have 17 acres in Formoy, just taking Formoy as an example, and if a local entity has a proposal that they want to maybe use the land. So, for instance, if Chagas Moor Park spins out a company. You know, that is an industrial collaboration between the researchers and a foreign company. If they say, well, we, we've we now developed a product, we think we can create a food related, uh, you know, uh, product. We need to set up a manufacturing process. If proposals come into, for instance, Enterprise Ireland for that, and if the IDA owns the land, and if, if, if the tires are kicked on that, such that you could use the IDA land, well, then I think we, you know, we need to kind of explore those avenues. And I would also say that, say, Cork County Council now is increasingly moving into the economic development uh, space. They have a a specific directorate for economic development. Uh, I, I don't have sight of what their economic development policy is, but certainly, you know, Cork County Council working with the IDA, working with Enterprise Ireland could be more imaginative, I think, in relation to how land is used. And specifically, if it means that you have to change the rules such that Uh, you know, lands at Caratool, lands at Mallow, lands in Fermoy and other sites as well, uh, you know, could be used for productive purposes to create jobs, essentially.
2: Yeah, because you mentioned Carrick Tool there that's a very successful IDA site some major farmer companies now located within that particular site it's evident in the evenings with the traffic that is in and out the amount of employment that is in that particular region uh, for the East Cork area and with Fermoy just off the motorway it would be an ideal location as traffic continues to grow and we have more jams every evening in the city Uh, outer spaces like Fermoy you think would be uh, an area whereby the IDA and others bigger companies would want to invest so they're uh, the likes of their uh, customers and staff can park, without getting stuck in so traffic because a lot of big companies have left Formoy over the years. For example, Bupa, which was in the middle there in Formoy, that became Quinn. Then Quinn moved to the Little Islands. Now it's Leia, but it's not in Formoy anymore. So we've had big players in Formoy before, but not so much now.
1: And, and and you mentioned Bupa and and Quinn and Leia. That's a key example of a an entity moving from Formoy literally up the, the road to Cork to Eastgate Business Park. Now, it still employs a lot of people from the Fermoy area, Mitchistown area, but albeit in, in Cork. And it's a classical example of how, for instance, if you were being imaginative about the type of land, you know, the, how you use your land banks, you could start engaging for, you know, on services-related industries because people are going into the dunkettle kettle every day, it's an absolute bottleneck. We now know that it's, there's going to be, they're saying 10 months or 11 months of a delay in the Dun Kettle. but I, I think that would be much longer, to be honest. I think the dogs in the street know that. But you could displace, you you could take a lot of that traffic out of Dunkettle if you started developing sites, for instance, in Formoy. Yeah. And similarly in Mallow, and we had uh, the Cork TDs, myself, Minister David Stanton, Deputy Ned O'Kee- uh, O'Keefe, forgive me, not Ned, uh, had a meeting with uh, the Construction Industry Federation the other day. And one, one of the points we were making was, well, how do we get, for instance, more houses built in from my Mitch's and Mallow? And, and how do we get more people make these more attractive propositions? And the way you make these towns more attractive to people is by, you know, saying, look, you know, we have fit-for-purpose buildings. We have buildings that, that are turnkey buildings. We need investment in that, of course. But here are excellent communities to live in excellent schools, excellent quality of life and you don't have people shuffling up the road uh, to Cork into bottlenecks such as Dunkettle. Kettle. So we need to, and this is what I tried to do when I was a minister in government, we we started looking at sites like, for instance, in Fromoy, where you had ABEC coming in to create jobs there. You know, we, we looked at investments in, for instance, like Dairy, Golden Mallow, where you had, you know, key investments in, you know, which which taxpayers partly funded, uh, you know, into the expansion of Dairy, Golden Mallow, for instance, and Mogigli and places like that. And it was about, trying to, you know, not funnel everybody into a a big city location and trying to displace those jobs back out into the communities and to do that in a proactive way. So I think the bottom line here, John Paul, is that like the 17 acres, for instance, in Formoy, I would reiterate the point that I think that if local proposals come in, for instance, if there are collaborations between Chagask and local entities about maybe creating fit-for-purpose factories that you could turn a key on industries will 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 be interested in those types of facilities if they're you know food grade or you know high-end research grade and then you can start creating the jobs And it means people will want to stay in these towns, live in these towns, you know, and continue to raise families in these towns, which is the most important thing.
2: Yeah, because a lot of the big companies, the idea would say they want to be located on the city keys and the big glass biddlings but if you look at certain industries, they may want to uh, go and move to areas like Fermoy, so attract the right industry as well, rather than an industry that doesn't want to be in a county town. I just want to move on, Sean, briefly to the broadband network. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk about this. You have come out yesterday because a lot of people feel the government and the state investing 2.9 billion of public money into a new national broadband network and then at the end of that the state don't own this particular network. That is just wrong and you feel strongly about that and that seems to be the way it's going to happen and it's still going ahead. Is there any way of stopping this or convincing uh, the well, government from from doing otherwise?
1: We, we've had so many uh, different timelines now for the delivery of the national broadband plan and on our watch it was you know, coming in at 500 million, which seems like a drop in the ocean now, even though that's half a billion euros. And now it's coming in at something like 3 billion. And the idea that we wouldn't, as the majority shareholder, that uh, the majority shareholder being your listeners, John Paul, being the taxpayer, the idea, the idea that we would hand over the infrastructure, the transmission, the underground and so on and so forth, after the 25 years, and not own that, having been the majority investor in the project, seems to me to be absolutely crazy. So I, I have now published a bill which gives a voice to the Oireachtas Committee's recommendations which were very clearly stated that during the summer of Uh, Of this year, they stated very clearly that the ownership of the network should be retained in public ownership. So I have now drafted a bill, published a bill to that effect saying we need to to, to retain the ownership. And the reason for that, because some people have said to me, look, why do we need to own it? And after 25 years, the technology will have moved on to such an extent. Uh, Like all you'll be owning is, you know, wires and telegraph poles and holes in the ground. But the logic of, of of ownership is that you don't know where the technology will be in 25 years and it's always good to have an asset because you do not know what in 25 years you'll be laying into those very you know uh so-called holes in the ground in terms of cabling or infrastructure and to have ownership of it you know it's safer it's more cautionary uh, and and it it ensures then that you might be able to generate a revenue stream off that infrastructure somewhere uh, down the line even though we're moving towards 5G, you know, we've moved into wireless technologies, but we still don't know. And I would say that it's I, I better to hold it and retain it if you're the majority shareholder or investor in an entity than giving it away after 25 years, you know, for a song.
2: In case you'd have a foreign owner then who could sell it off to another uh, owner in a different country and we could and be left with a situation. Yeah, and we left with a situation before where, where before. we've been with air and stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Very finally, on uh, President Michael D. Higgins, I've got a lot of calls this morning who agree with what he has come out and said yesterday and indeed again this morning. He has said that people did not re elect him to be a man with no opinions. He's come under criticism because some feel for what he has said on regarding the farmers, uh, what the prices they receive for beef and the defense forces, uh, that he is stepping over the mark and wading into political issues what do you feel i mean you'd know michael d over the years from his involvement in labour do you feel he's right and he should be able to say what he wants because he is a very opinionated man and he he speaks very well when it comes to these particular issues or do you think he should just stay quiet
1: i i don't think michael d should stay quiet and um, i think if you tried to get michael d to stay quiet i think you'd have a, a, a real job on your hands i think the president role has evolved uh, since Mary Robinson's tenure and i think that there, there is a role for the president to act as a touchstone to reflect what people ordinary people are thinking on the ground so when the when he makes uh you know an intervention in relation to pay and conditions for instance of the defense forces he is only reflecting i think what people are thinking on the ground So, has he overstepped the constitutional boundary? Personally, I don't think so, but you might say, you would say that anyway, because you're a friend of Michael D. Higgins, and, you know, I had the good, the honour of, you know, nominating him as one of the Oireachtas nominees when he first stood for the presidency. So, you know, you could say that I have a bias there. But if he's talking about rural Ireland, from which Michael D. Higgins himself came, he's a man of rural Ireland himself. He knows of the plough, and the harrow, and the furrow, you know. So that's that's in his DNA, instinctively, although he might have reached the the lofty heights of academia and the presidency, but you don't forget that we are still very much rooted in, in the ground, so to speak. And, and I, th- I think it's important that when he does speak for farmers and when he does make interventions in relation to, you know, the suckler crisis, for instance, where he spoke at the plowing championship in respect of maybe the idea of accepting a deal or, and using that as a staging post, I think he, would, he was reflecting the views of, of the vast majority of people who live in rural Ireland. So, you know, I, I think he's doing an excellent job I'm very proud that he's our president. He received a massive mandate from the people to be our president. And he spoke, you know, he has spoken on things in the past. The election came, the people voted for him. So I think the people, to be fair to the people, uh, uh, like the idea that their president can speak on these issues.
2: Well, a lot of people feel he should be able to speak out Uh, so far anyway on text and WhatsApp. We'll see what comes in over the course of the morning for the moment, Sean. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Cork East Deputy Sean Sherlock uh, on the issue of the IDA site in Formoy. Also, uh, the broadband network and the future of our broadband network. Your views are welcome on that 1850-333-103 regarding the IDA site in Formoy. Tom Fields, why not put that land to proper use? And use it for housing, says Tom While Jack, similar to Tom Says, why not put that use Of that particular land in for my Build houses on it, but then as Jack Says, I suppose we do need the jobs To be here in the area for people to live In those houses, As Jack on text 862 103, 103 And regarding Michael D. Higgins And speaking his opinions, a texter Here saying, yes, John Paul, I think Michael D. was right to voice his opinions After all, he is our President, the American President and other speak every day so why can't ours your views on that 1850 333103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103. on the way we'll be discussing how 62% of Irish people are now overweight you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently
1: closed
0: Cork today on C one oh three. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 103
2: 103. Some seventy percent of Irish men and more than half of women are overweight or obese. The latest health screening results can reveal Maurice Damery is a health check manager with the Irish Heart Foundation and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Maurice.
3: Uh, Good morning John Paul, thanks for having us on this Um, morning
2: Thanks for joining us Now these figures are based on our body mass index Just explain first about BMI
3: that's right, and these figures were done through uh, Leia Healthcare's cardiac screening program, so they would have um, done people's ma- waist measurements, and they also would have looked at the body mass in- index, looking at their weight and their height, and uh, calculating that to look at their weight and to see and assess if they are overweight, and as you can see, the study has shown that uh, 70% of men and over half the women that they screened were overweight or obese, um, and this... Um, Unfortunately, it doesn't come as a surprise to us in the Irish Heart Foundation because this is something we're finding ourselves through our own health check programmes and that people, there are a lot of people overweight or obese in Ireland. And this is a huge risk factor, as you know, for um, heart disease and stroke.
2: And regarding the BMI you mentioned there, some feel that sometimes the BMI can be a bit unfair because as the older you get, the targets do increase with BMI. So, for example, if you were 29 and you had a certain BMI and you hit 30, uh, the goalposts change and you can become uh, overweight basically because your age has increased.
3: Yeah, well, we encourage people to be physically active, you know, to keep their weight within a certain, um, you know, limit or whatever should I say. But it's in terms of carrying weight around the middle, you worry about the pressure that that can put on the organs as well internally. Um, And if people are carrying weight for a long period of time, that can increase the risk of high blood pressure and also being overweight for a long period of time makes your heart work harder. So this in turn can lead to high blood pressure as well, which, as we know, is a major risk factor for stroke and heart disease. And what we're finding in Ireland as well is that 64% of people over the age of 50 have high blood pressure. So we really, all these risk factors put together are putting people at serious risk. One of the things we try and do in the Irish Heart Foundation, we have a mobile health unit that travels the country and that provides free blood pressure and pulse checks. So people can keep an eye on our website, irishheart.ie, um, and they'll see when the mobile health unit will be in their area. It's back on the road, actually, the middle of October. So hopefully we'll get down to the Cork area at some stage do
2: you want to let and let us know the, where you are
3: we will yeah you'll find it on our website but the other thing is uh, this month what we have is we have an escape your chair campaign it's a heart month campaign so what we're doing is encouraging people to be uh, less sedentary, to move more and to sit less and to be a little bit more active in their days. So we have a lot of tips on our website, irishheart.ie, escape your chair. People can have a look there. And what we're doing is leading up to World Heart Day, actually this month, where there'll be a Hero Heart Hero 5K walk in local park runs. Now, people can attend their park, local park run. If uh, they go onto to the website as well, they'll find out where they can sign up. This is free. People can go to the park runs and do a walk or they can do a run and they can do it free. If they like, they can support our Heart Hero 5K um, where they can sign up and donate to the Irish Heart Foundation and also receive a free T-shirt for the day or should I say a T-shirt once they signed up. So there are many ways that people can be physically active. So we'd encourage people to go to the local park run. Uh, they can look out for a mobile health unit when it's in the area. Um, and another programme we have is the Farmers of Hearts programme, where we provide free free health checks for farmers in the marts as well.
2: And the mobile health clinics you mentioned there, they're free and do they test for every kind of condition? For example, I have a few people texting here outside of high blood pressure. Can you get your cholesterol checked at those particular units?
3: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we don't do cholesterol generally through the Mobile Health Unit. We do do it in the Farmers' markets for Farmers. And the reason for this is that we rely heavily on sponsorship to fund the Mobile Health Unit. In fact, Pfizer, Bristol, Mars, Scripps are uh, funding it or sponsoring it at the moment, should I say. So it would be difficult for us, unfortunately, to provide cholesterol checks because they are quite expensive. But what we do provide is a free blood pressure check and a pulse check. And we do this because it's actually quite a simple check to do and it is one of the major risk factors for heart disease and stroke. It also gives people the opportunity uh, for people who attend the mobile health unit to have a chat with our nurses um, and they can talk to the nurses around their lifestyle. So you're looking at all the risks for heart disease and stroke. So if people do know that they have a high cholesterol or if they're worried uh, about their weight or if they want to find out some more tips about being physically active, they can come to the mobile health unit and they'll receive our literature. And they have that time to spend with a nurse and discuss their own lifestyle um, and look at changes that they want to make themselves for their heart
2: health. And despite the number of people joining gyms and getting fish, it's evident if you go anywhere in the evening, the amount of people running or walking in our towns, it still seems we have a problem and there's a concern as we're getting bigger resonation. And that's obviously a big concern for you then in the Heart Foundation on those problems we spoke about with the high blood pressure, etc.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, there definitely is, you can see out there, there is a keen interest from everybody to be physically active, people out on their bikes, running, walking, walking their dogs, walking with the buggies as well. Um, But there also is an negative impact, you know, where people are working in offices, they may be sitting for 7.5 hours in their working day and their waking hours, but that's half of their waking hours. So what we do suggest is that people, say, for example, in offices or people who have driving jobs, that they try and take that time in the day to be a little bit more active. For example, if you're in an office, maybe don't send that email. Walk up to your colleague. Walk up the stairs in the office uh, trying not to take the lift. If you don't need to take the lift, walk up the stairs. So it's trying to build that activity into your day because you may go to the gym for half an hour or an hour in the evening. But then if you're sedentary for the rest of the day, then that can kind of negate, you know, that positive Mm thing that you're doing so it's trying to be a little bit more physically active along with maybe going to the gym or playing a sport or whatever you do during the day Um, Uh, and looking at your your eating patterns as well you know try and reduce the processed foods um, that you might be eating try and cook from scratch if you can as well.
2: And I was just reading a report there from the UK this morning it seems that when it comes to heart transplants that hearts were so damaged because of obesity that they could not be used in organ donation and it seems the quality of the hearts in the UK is dropping all the time so that's something we don't want to happen here in this country
3: Yeah no so it's very important that we do look after our hearts um, and how you can do that is to be more physically active um, maybe 30 minutes a day 5 days a week but along with that try not to be sedentary try to move a little bit more during your day when you're in an office Be, you know, look after your blood pressure, have a regular check if you're uh, 30 or over the age of 30, have your blood pressure checked once a year and maybe have your cholesterol checked as well over the age of 40. Uh, If there's a family history, of course, you should have these things checked a little bit earlier with your GP. Um, For people who smoke, if they can try and quit smoking, obviously that has a very positive impact um, in reducing blood pressure um, as well. And then just stress levels as well. The one thing we find there is, you know, people can walk with the body that can reduce your stress levels because you're having that chat while you're walking as well. So you're getting the physical activity as well as maybe reducing your stress levels because you're releasing the endorphins, which are very positive so there's
2: lots of things we can do to reduce our risk. Yeah and stress uh, a high a high factor these days unfortunately for a lot of people. For the moment uh, Maurice thanks for joining us. Let us know in the future when those clinics are in Cork and we'll give them a mention for you. That's Maurice Damery there who is Health Check Manager with the Irish Heart Foundation. Good morning to you. Our lines are open. Bernie takes your comments to 1850 333 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 086 103, 103. You can email this morning jp at c103 dot ie or indeed, you can tweet at C103 Cork a lot of comments in first of all on what we were speaking about earlier with uh, Deputy Sean Sherlock Labour TD for Cork East when we were Concentrating on the future of the IDA site in Fermoy. Many locals feel that particular area is turning into a wildlife park As the site lies idle A lot of big employers over the years have left the town and have moved elsewhere And there's a a chance here many feel that this could be used to attract jobs into the area Well, on this, a lot of comments First of all, Mick says Well, Fermoy won't get a factory Why? If you just drive through the town it's gridlock. More needs to be done with traffic in Fermoy. Feels a Mick on text to 0862 103, 103 Another person here on WhatsApp, no name on this, but says, great to hear Sean Sherlock on the radio, all concerned about industry for North Cork and the welfare of its citizens. How fantastic. I wonder, is there an election coming up? Give us a break, for God's sake, says that particular Whatsapper. While Dermot says, I think they are right to attract maybe food industries to Fermoy. As many financial industries now want to be based in the city locations. We do need more jobs in Fermoy but to be realistic we need to attract the right employers. Some will simply want to be in urban areas while others, an area like Fermoy will suit them to set up. Uh, Tom says, I agree, I do think a lot of industries now will have to look outside the city and to areas like Fermoy and North Cork, indeed maybe parts of West Cork and in South Cork. Uh, Tom feels that with the city Getting so busy traffic-wise, no parking and accommodation costs through the roof. This is an opportunity for county towns who have IDA sites like Vermont to make use of them. Now, with an election next year, put the pressure on your local TDs to get jobs in your area. It can be done. A lot of industries are expanding and with the Brexit more could be moving here to Ireland so let's make use of the IDA and make those companies set up in these regional areas says Tom While Alison reacting to earlier comments in from listeners who were saying why not use the IDA site for housing and other points that were being made Alison who lives in Formoy said I am sick of your smart arse listeners saying use it for housing use it for this what is the point of building houses in Formoy if there is nowhere to work would these people cop on and come up with solutions instead of stupid ideas and comments obviously some of these people are just sitting down idly doing nothing every day uh, feels Alison in Fermoy on text to 0862103103 on the issue of bringing more employment to Fermoy and indeed that would be in general, to the greater for my Mitchellstown area, uh, a lady texted us earlier on on in the show. This was to do with the roads in the Bandon area, and we're reacting to the property tax. Well, uh, on that, uh, Sandy has been in touch on text and says, "I agree with that particular lady who complained about the roads around Bandon." However, the N seventy one that's the main road uh, through West Cork, as you head from Inner Shannon via Clonakilty onto Skibbereen. The N seventy one, she says from near Banlasgarthi to west of Lep was revamped recently now the sides of the road was filled in with soil instead of using the road shaving tarmac to create a walkway similar to some roads in Kerry so that pedestrians cyclists or motorists could use it but now they are forced to walk or indeed they are forced to walk in the event of a breakdown the soil though now here on this particular stretch of road is growing weeds bushes like firs Now, they expect every local farmer to control the weeds that they have caused on the road with the amount of high traffic and high traffic volumes on that roadway where any council worker would have a small army of traffic controllers if they were filling in a pothole says Sandy. Good point uh, Sandy on that and you mentioned there about the uh, tarmac on the side of the roads that they have in some of the roads in Kerry. If you were ever are travelling to Dingle um, and if you're travelling uh, the way via Killarney, not, well, maybe they have it on the now I'm not too sure, but on the way from Killarney, um, if uh, Castle Main that particular direction you will see I, I haven't seen it here in Cork but I have seen it there uh, from Castle Main uh, and driving into Dingle in some parts of the road they have cycle lanes and they have walkways and she's making the point that that could have been done as well on that particular stretch of the N71 instead of putting down soil and now that soil of course is growing weeds so thanks for your text Sandy uh, you can keep your text coming to 086 103 Now on the issue of the property tax D on text is asking could an auctioneer a valuer uh, talk about the value of houses that are in an area with wind turbines and possibly future battery storage compounds. There will be a lot of houses paying a lesser rate of property tax because of this. And yeah, you're right. A lot of people do not want to live uh, next to a wind turbine. So if somebody's selling their house and there's a wind turbine nearby them, uh, they always feel that can affect the rate they will get or the value they will get for their house now we did speak about this before with an auctioneer who says it really is down to going in and valuing the house and it also can be down to a particular person who wants to buy the particular house because some people won't mind won't care they may like that it's in a, a, a rural area and the the actual wind turbine nearby would not affect them, so it won't affect the price, but then other people have. So even though you would think not, auctioneers have said it really depends on who is going to buy the house. But overall, you would think that it would have a knock-on effect on the cost of a house in an area if there is wind turbines in an area and if there's a possibility of battery storage compounds as well and we'll look into that Dee thank you for your text on that and staying on the property tax Frank and Kinsale says the property tax tax was imposed by the state due to the developers and bankers who wrecked the country now that is why people are so annoyed with the increase is there anyone going to stand up and speak out against all the developers who destroyed this particular country many back in business and Michael D. Higgins should have the right to speak his mind he holds the highest office in the country says Frank while Sheila says when the property tax came out initially all the houses in her area were paying the same tax some houses are much bigger than Sheila's house so why is that? Well, it's just, it depends really on I mean you, at, the, at the very start you could choose what you thought the value of your house was so obviously those people thought the value of their houses was at the same value of yours in the same area so if, if the, the way that people are being told to do it was if your neighbour's house was for example valued at 200,000 uh, then yours would be similar so that is what was being said but I know what you mean Sheila hard to do in rural areas if you have a, a bungalow let's say and then you have a, a three story house next door uh, you're wondering why are you paying the same for somebody who has a much larger house than you have Anyhow Sheila goes on to say that she does live Uh, in a rural area in the country so she is getting no services from the council her husband and sons had to cut back the hedgerows as they were so dangerous on the bins on their road and it was so overgrown so they had to sink also their own wells as they did not and they are not on a main supply so Sheila asking where is my value for money when it comes to the property tax and a lot of talk this morning of course with that news uh, coming in from the UK all in relation to Brexit and of course all in relation to Boris Johnson and this goes back uh, to yesterday when the UK Supreme Court ruled his suspension of Parliament was unlawful. Boris Johnson is making his way back from the um, from America and MPs are returning to the House of Commons around now where the British Prime Minister is expected to face even more calls for his resignation. Uh, Bush uh, Tim in Mallow is making a very good point on what is happening. He said, why is no one talking about the Queen's part in this? she signs what he said to go away basically and dissolve the parliament so uh, does she sign what is put in front of her does she just sign anything they put in front of her Uh, when the parliament basically the suspension of parliament was unlawful and Tim making the point okay parliament was suspended Boris Johnson went to the Queen she signed that but basically could she not have said, no, I'm not going to do this? Or was she simply lied to, as is what is coming out from the UK this morning? Anyway, your views are welcome on that. 185333103, 103 or d text or WhatsApp 0862103103. 103. A lot more comments in. We'll get to those shortly on the programme as well. Also views on issues we were discussing yesterday. And still to come, we are going to hear about the fact that those of us who are on a hospital waiting list we're going to more or less face a worse outcome now because of the amount of time we are on that particular list. We'll discuss that shortly and also how more people are falling for scams, be that on the phone scams or online. And because of that, Fraudsmart, they are coming to Cork and they have a clinic in Cork this week. We'll speak to them on those particular scams and indeed where the clinic is in Cork. That and more to come between now and midday. But keep your gardening questions coming as well. Peter Dodal will join us after 12.30. If you have a question from the garden, get it into us. Peter will offer some advice. He's on with us from 1230 1850 333 103 or text or WhatsApp 086 103,
0: 103. C103 Jobs.
2: And on today's job spot, we have opportunities for Clover Hill food ingredients in Mill Street. They're looking for a multi drop delivery driver. A full C license and all training modules must be up to date. Power pallet truck certification desirable but not essential. Email your CV to hr at cloverhill.ie. A fast food manager is required for Amber O'Brien service station in the Bandon Road in Bishopstown. Two years managerial experience is required. Contact Michelle O'Brien on 086 811. 4276 And Jessie's Hair and Beauty And Kilty Is looking for a qualified hairstylist You can email your CV To Hurley At yahoo.com You'll find these jobs And more online now Just go to c103.ie Forward slash jobs Cork today On C103 Call Patricia With your comment 1850
0: 333
2: 103 Now, those who were on the waiting lists in our hospitals are at risk of a worse outcome due to the delay in treatment. The comments were made at a conference recently and Martin Farley, Director General of the Irish Hospitals Consultants Association, joins me on this. Good morning to you, Martin. Good morning. I suppose it's no surprise that the outpatient waiting list, it does continue to increase, but because of that, people's conditions, they're going to get worse because they're waiting for the treatment they need, and as time goes on, the condition won't stop. That will just continue in their bodies.
4: Well, that's exactly it, and we represent over 95% of the consultants working in hospitals. And What they're saying to us is that care can't wait, and in fact, we've launched a campaign to that effect, and it's really about this fact that People are on waiting lists and they're waiting too long and their conditions could be deteriorating and therefore their outcomes when they get in to be treated might not be as good. Our consultants are extremely concerned about that and you can imagine why with certain conditions that could be life-threatening. So in effect, we have a million or more people on different waiting lists now nationally and about 570,000 are waiting for outpatient appointment with consultants. And the real reason the delay is getting bigger and bigger is uh, more and more of our consultant posts can't be filled because of government policy just driving our highly trained consultants abroad. So we, we need to retain and recruit more consultants. That requires a change in government policy.
2: And I'll just come back to that matter on recruitments uh, for the moment in hospitals for, with consultants, but on the waiting list situation, if, can consultants or doctors do anything if they feel that their patients aren't being looked after in a proper manner and they know they have a patient that really needs urgent care? Can they refer something to the medical council or to the hscs Is there anything that the consultant can do for a person when they know they need treatment ASAP, but the system isn't letting them deal with that?
4: Well, there's two things they try to do. They try to triage the outpatient waiting list, and that's with the guidance of the GP. If somebody is identified as being urgent or very urgent, they try to take those earlier for their outpatient consults. And secondly, of course, once they see them, and if they see that the patient does need urgent surgery or urgent treatment, they'll put them on a more urgent surgical list. And we have about 68,000 people on surgical waiting lists. Uh, And if you look at the figures, even for outpatients in the Cork region, in the Cork hospitals, well, C.U.H., C.U.M.H., the South, Mallow and the Mercy, there are 37,000 patients waiting for, to see a consultant for the first time. And over, that's an increase of 7,000 in a year and over 18,000 are waiting more than 12 months. That's too long, obviously. And that's the point we're highlighting. People shouldn't have to wait more than a few months to see a consultant because the risks start
2: to increase. And especially older people or vulnerable people who need a particular operation, for example, as soon as they can. They are really suffering in all of this and all this tobacco that goes on between the HSE and the Department of Health.
4: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, our, uh, our lists of people waiting for a PAL mix, uh, which is obviously eye conditions, mm. could be cataracts, could be whatever orthopedics and people are in pain, urology again, which is a very difficult set of conditions if you're waiting, rheumatology again, people are in pain. We're talking about thousands of people waiting, Waiting, for example, in the CUMH. There's 6,500 waiting for an ophthalmic surgeon. There's 2,000 waiting for a neuro- neurosurgeon. There's 2,000 waiting for plastics. There's 1,700 waiting for rheumatology and 1,300 waiting for urology. So all these conditions are actually uh, quite stressful, very often painful, and they have been uh, serious threats to one's health, and we shouldn't have a situation where people are waiting. That's just CUH. Uh, similar situations apply in the Mercy and in the South and even in Mallow.
2: Yeah, and that's why we see so many people going to the north and to certain hospitals there to avail of uh, surgeries like cataract and others because of those particular waiting lists. You guys, your consultants, you're within uh, the system. Is there anything that the HSC or can you advise the HSC what they can do outside of recruitment, which is a major issue, but is there anything else they can do to cut these particular waiting lists or is it simply down to getting more staff in the hospitals?
4: done a lot in the last decade and I've been involved in the last decade in the new clinical care programs, new models of care, which, you know, set about doing things in the best possible way, but also using the resources we have to the optimum. And for example, most of our outpatient clinics now have been 30 and 60 patients in them for a three-hour slot. We can't stretch that anymore because otherwise you're getting into a situation of too many patients in clinics. And that compares with, say, in the UK and in Germany and France, you might have 10 to 12 patients in the clinic for three hours. So we're way over in terms of stretching. Likewise, our beds are used to the maximum. We have 94% uh, occupancy in our beds. The recommendation is you should only run at 85%. We're the highest occupancy in Europe, but we have the lowest number of beds and we have the lowest number of consultants on a per capita basis. We have about half the number of consultants in our public hospital system compared with Scotland. And we're about 40% below that of the European Union average. So that's only the average. So we clearly need to fill the 20% of our posts, which are vacant, that we can't fill because of government policy. A decision was taken back in 2012 that has been ever since driving these highly trained specialists that we train with taxpayers' money. They've been driven abroad, why? Because they've been discriminated against. They've been offered contracts that are paying them a third less than their colleagues for doing the exact same work. And it's not surprising they're they're voting with their feet. We need to get them back. And it's a very simple fix. We just have to restore parity. It's been done for every other public servants.
2: Yeah, Uh, teachers are are getting it, I think, that they have fought for it and they're they're trying to restore it with teachers who were in a similar condition, those employed after 2012, on a lower wage than those before 2012.
4: Yeah, and there was a 10% cut that infected all public servants, including consultants and teachers. That was addressed in last year's budget. And while it's not an exact fix, it actually goes a long way. I know the teachers still have outstanding issues, which I respect. But what happened in with consultants is in addition to the 10% cut, there was a the 30% cut. And that hasn't been addressed at all, which is bizarre in the context that we have such long waiting lists and so many posts we can't fill. So what we're asking the government to do is to actually deal with that in this current budget. Unfortunately, Pina Fall have come out and said it should be dealt with in the budget. And equally, Sinn Féin have come out at our conference last weekend and said it should be done in the budget, but we're not getting the same commitment from the government party, uh, Fingale. So we're trying to meet them and say, listen, will you fix this? This would actually be better than cost-neutral, in my view, because with a reduced spending agency, with a quicker treatment for patients, patients would have shorter stays in hospitals, and they have better outcomes. So if this was the private sector, it would have been done years ago, mm. and we can't understand why the government is not actually doing it now, if only because of the patient care, but actually from a financial point of view, it will be better than cost neutral in a very short period of time because of the benefits of it for patients and the short end of with our hospitals working far more efficiently and far more effectively. So that's the big ask we have for people is to talk to your local political representatives, ask them to, to, to raise this issue and we're running a campaign, it's called Care Can't Wait, for the very simple reason, for all the reasons we've now discussed in this interview. Uh, but you know, it's compelling in the extreme that we shouldn't be continuing with this false economy that was brought in in
2: 2012. And while other parties are saying that they can and they want this to happen, and you're saying you haven't met yet, or, or Fina Gael haven't come to you yet on this, is it a case from their point of view, that maybe the money isn't there. And while I was in that situation that they simply say the money isn't there? Do you say, well, it's unfair if the money is there for some parts of the public service, but not the the big part, the part that's saving lives?
4: Well, actually, I would say, you know, to do the maths on it and do the figures, uh, it will not cost you anything once it's fully phased in because of the benefits. But secondly, even the upfront costs would be very, very minimal in the overall scheme of health budget that's spending $17,000 per year. We're talking about a fraction of 1% uh, in terms of cost if you didn't, if, if you didn't allow for benefits in the savings. But if you're not for the benefits in the savings, I'm convinced there's no real cost. So, as I said, any proper-run business or any properly-run government department or government would have this done years ago. Um, so I don't buy into the argument that's going to cost you money that you don't have in fact, it's, it's beneficial in terms of uh, running a more effective, cost-effective
2: health service. Yeah, and a more efficient health service when it comes to waiting lists. So are hospital consultants, are you looking now for the, in the consultant's side of things, of taking industrial action? And many will say this may impact more on the health service if consultants do go out on industrial action to get those terms and conditions reviewed
4: we have a policy of not taking action that will impact on patients or to reassure patients out there. Consultants will not be taking action that will impact on their care or delay their care. We still haven't ruled out some form of industrial action, uh, but we have to be very carefully it to ensure it doesn't impact on patients. What I would say is that the government shouldn't push doctors and consultants into taking industrial action, especially in a situation like this where it's a clear win-win and in fact this is beneficial to patients. If we do it, we can staff our team, we can reduce our waiting list, we can ensure the patient get treated far more quickly, far better outcomes, less pain and suffering. And this is the way our health service should be run. Why the government hasn't done it already is inexplicable in my view. They have an opportunity to do it on the budget on the eighth of October and I certainly hope they'll do it. But what I'd say to your listeners is raise it with your local politicians of whatever party to make sure that you have your voice heard because if we miss the opportunity in the 8th of October, God knows when they'll deal with it, and then the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger.
2: Yeah, well, as you said, the concern is... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the
0: beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about... work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind.
2: Here for those patients who are on the waiting lists and who need treatment urgently for the moment, Martin, thanks for joining us and outlining your reasons there to us this morning. Uh, that is Martin Farley, Director General of the Irish Hospital Consultants Association. And maybe you're one of those, like Martin has explained, who is on the waiting list and you know deep down whether it is you're waiting a cataract operation or whatever you know uh, that your condition is getting worse because you're on the waiting list for a number of years or a number of months or whatever it is and of course when you're on that particular waiting list you then initially meet the consultant you don't initially just go in for the operation. You meet your consultant, they come up with a plan, you meet them again a second time to go through various items and then you may be going for your particular operation. So it's not as if you're waiting two and a half years and then you just get your operation. You could be waiting another four or five months after your initial consultation or even longer uh, for a procedure to take place anyhow uh, lines open maybe you are unfortunately one of those who is waiting because of what is happening at the moment in our hospitals uh, with the overcrowding and also with the lack of consultants to carry out their work in hospitals a lot of it due to uh, what we saw with teachers the fact that many consultants that they enter now uh, to the practice they'll be on less wages than those who were there before them in 2012 and they simply will go elsewhere for better conditions but then uh, there's a recruitment issue whereby people are not entering uh, consultants in the hospitals to take up the position, and we are left with higher waiting lists. Views are welcome 1850 333 103. RD text or WhatsApp 086 103. 103. Uh, again, people seem to be falling for scams. Uh, Even though all the warnings that are out there online, um, the scams are on on the increase, it seems, and people are still falling for them as are phone scams. Well, because they are on the increase, FraudSmart are in Cork. Uh, They are setting up a clinic in Cork and we'll speak to them next.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines
2: are currently closed.
0: Cork today on C one oh three. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103.
2: We are always warning people about scams and new scams, but this week people are being urged to learn about financial fraud scams. The FraudSmart Clinic comes to Cork City for the first time. And Neve Davenport joins me from Fraud Good morning to you, Neave. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. Now, many of these scam artists, they seem to target vulnerable people in society. A lot can be via phone or via email. The most recent was a text one for a bank. And people, though, unfortunately, do fall for these particular scams and do hand over their private banking details.
5: They do. It's very easy to fall for these scams. And I think that's one of the messages we want to let people know that, You know, the the vultures are so clever these days and they're very convincing. So it's very easy to fall for one of these. And that's why we're running the clinics to come along, learn about the different types of scams that we're seeing and hopefully to give some practical information to people that they can protect themselves against them.
2: Now many calls we get here on a daily basis is about this computer scam who in the end end up looking for a person's bank details. The latest one I mentioned there was a text scam claiming to be from Bank of Ireland. It wasn't and Bank of Ireland came out and said they will never ask for your details over a particular text message but still we had people ringing us saying but are you sure you're right? Are you sure, this isn't real. Maybe they want me for something. Maybe I am entitled to money. Uh, Would that be explained at the clinic uh, this week?
5: Yeah. So for these type of scams, what we're saying is, you know, text messages, for example, are a really good way for banks or other companies to communicate with people, but they will never ask for your, your personal information um, So, or, link, or provide links to maybe websites or other things like that. So it's knowing what they will and won't ask for I suppose is the key thing there and then you know for people to come along and we'll give some more information about it but a bank for example in those text messages will only ever ask you to confirm maybe Y or n so yes or no and they'll never ask you to give your information they'll never ask you to you know bring you to a website and but if you still feel like you think that this is a real text message what we say is pick up the phone Use the number on the back of your bank card and give the give the bank a
2: call. And cybercrime is becoming a big issue. I mean, the latest now that people are worried about is the you know the smart speaker devices whereby you talk to them and they'll talk back to you like Alexa and one of those. Uh, a lot of people are worried about those now that they are being used as scams and getting people's details that way. Is that a new fear that could be coming to Ireland? I, I haven't heard of it yet in this country, but I know no. in other countries that they're they're worried about this
5: we haven't had it here Um there's no reports of it so far um, i even have them myself at home so um no I, I haven't heard of them coming to here but we'll keep an eye out and there is actually on our website an alert system as well so if something does come and um, that's maybe trending at the moment or a particular scam like when the bank of ireland scams were going around as you mentioned there we sent out an alert through the fraud smart website so you can sign up for alerts on FraudSmart.ie and we'll we'll let people know what's happening on a regular basis.
2: And also tips on what to look out for. I know we had a revenue scam a few years ago. It's probably still going on where you get an email. But if you look closely at the actual link, you realise it isn't the revenue website, not the official website. And also to look at the site of the uh, web bar where the HTTP is, make sure the S is there. Those type things are, are something people need to look out for. But a lot of the time people aren't aware of those.
5: There's little things like that, as you said, in the web bar, looking at the looking for the S S equals secure. It's an easy way to remember it. Um, also looking for a little padlock on that bar as well, and looking at the actual website. So if you do get something with a link, again, I just wouldn't click on the link. If you think, for example, it is the revenue, go on to Google or your search engine directly and just type in the websites that you that you want to go to, or search for the website that you want to go to, and you probably will find that there's different um, very. Could be very small differences, and it might be something that you don't even notice in coding or something like that. So always go to the website directly yourself. Never use links. Never use telephone numbers that are provided in these emails either. Again, look them up independently. And they're they're very simple little things that we can do, but it will avoid people losing money to these fraudsters.
2: And you know, wherever these fraudsters that that, that do contact us, mainly from abroad, have them. Have they ever been caught? Has uh, people been prosecuted?
5: Yes, and Angarda Siakwana will be at the clinic with us tomorrow, and they're urging people to report these um, these incidents to them as well as to their bank, because they really want the more intelligence that they get, the better chance that they have of um, of, us catching these guys. So they work a lot with Europol, and they work obviously themselves here. But while your case in this isolation might not seem that it's that relevant to the guards, if they can build up more and more intelligence and share it um, internationally, we've got a better chance. We ha- There has been some arrests made, and we- We'd love to see a lot more made.
2: Yeah, and I was reading a report earlier on this week where it shows that 33% of the people that were surveyed were actually scammed at some point in their lifetime. So the fraud mark click. It's coming to Cork. It's going to be in the River Lee Hotel. Uh, to tell us when, you, when you're going to be there uh, this week.
5: So we're there tomorrow. Um, it's a free event. We'll be ourselves on Garda Corner, Active Retirement Ireland are there, and also on post, And we'll have a presentation just on the current scams that are going around some um, hopefully practical advice for people and there's a chance then for question and answers afterwards um any of your concerns or queries it's 11am you can pre-register or you can arrive on
2: the day and it's all free as you mentioned
5: all free tea and coffee as well when we get there to get us
2: going and people can ask questions about what if this happens or what if that happens and one of the members there will will be able to speak and answer those questions from the floor
5: Exactly, we will indeed. And we've got some leaflets and some things that people can take away. Keep beside them on the, at the phone or, you know, even um, on the fridge or different things like that. It's really important to keep these things and be aware
2: of them on a regular basis. And you mentioned there just regarding the current scams. Are we seeing the similar scams coming back all the time? The computer scams, those particular tech scams, is there new ones out there that people need to be aware of?
5: We see the same kind of scams all the time. They kind of come at different times of the year. But we also urge people to be careful about what's going on in the news. The fraudsters are very clever. For example, when people were having issues with their broadband earlier in the year, um, you know, maybe couldn't get through to companies or different things to report the issue, the fraudsters were picking up on this and then actually using this to contact people and say, oh, we believe you have a problem with your broadband. So be really cautious of what's going on. Be really wary of unexpected calls. Um, we still see the revenue text message scams that you mentioned. Um, we go through a cycle as well. I'm sure the bank sc- text message scams will come back up. So the most common ones that we saw um, were email scams and then the phone scams. So They're the two most common. And also I'd urge, and I, I hate saying the C word at this time of year, but um, in the run-up to Christmas, we really want people to, for those who can't make tomorrow, to kind of be more wary of how they use their card and distraction for what is a real thing, especially in the run-up to Christmas with people being so busy. So just to explain this one very quickly, it's if you're in the supermarket or if you're paying with your card in a restaurant or even at a car park machine, make sure you cover your pin as you enter it in because somebody could be standing behind you watching it. And what's happening is as you're distracted, maybe putting your shopping into the car in the car park, uh, somebody else will rob your wallet. So they now have your pin and your card. So While we try to protect more and more on our side in terms of the banks and systems that are used, they're actually going back to the old-fashioned way of just stealing your card and your wallet.
2: So just be mindful, especially, as you said, up to the uh, Christmas period when people will yeah. be busy shopping. And a lot of people plan in advance with budgeting and that type of thing. So be Stop aware it. of that. Yeah, yeah Just yeah. be aware. OK, so tomorrow so in the Riverlea Hotel uh, from 11 o'clock in the morning, you can go along to that particular clinic and get all the advice you need on those scams which are popping up every day here and across the country. Uh, Neve, thanks for joining us this morning thank you so much for having us thank you and best of luck tomorrow that's Neve Davenport there joining us from Fraudsmarsh and voice there on how to deal with some of those scams and the new ones keep cropping up every single day and they're getting more cute when it comes to uh, bringing new scams to us here in Ireland and indeed in Cork but if you want to go along and learn more and ask questions to a, a team of professionals who will be there to answer those questions to the Fraud Smart Clinic in the Riverlea Hotel that's on Western Road and it kicks off tomorrow morning there at 11am if you want to head to that 1850 333 103 lines are open you can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 and yesterday well we got a lot of calls and comments about this particular issue It was Gerry and I had a contact on us yesterday morning because he was disappointed, he said, that the national anthem was not sung at Ireland's game against Scotland on Sunday morning. He said that the players are willing to put on the green jersey, they should sing the national anthem. That was Gerry and I had his view on that. And we did mention that yesterday and we got a massive reaction on the show yesterday. So much we didn't get to all those particular comments. And we did outline the reason why we have Ireland's call on the show yesterday. We did more research into that. I'll read that for you in a while but just to go through some of the comments that came into to us on that particular issue uh, because a lot of people some were agreeing with jury and some were not agreeing with the jury and of course here when a match is in the Aviva uh, or anywhere in, in the Republic of Ireland we do sing Aron Oveen and then we have Ireland's call but when the match rugby match that is is played abroad it's just Ireland's call is sung so here are some of the comments that have come in uh, after the show Yesterday. First of all, Donald saying, in the 1987 World Cup, the song Ireland had before a game was The Rose of Tralee. Let's just be thankful we've uh, come along from that, says Donald. While Sean says, I don't remember hearing God Save the Queen either. They played Flower of Scotland, which also isn't the national anthem of Scotland, so get over it, says Sean. While David says, shoulder to shoulder, Weakest anthem in the world's sport. Play our real anthem, says David. John says that the Ireland rugby team, we are a 32 county team. So for those against the national anthem, just deal with it. It's a 32 county rugby team. And Stephen says, what baffles me is people say we need to respect people's traditions, yet the national anthem is played at all home international rugby games, along with Ireland's call. And the players have no issues with standing for it. So why can't the same apply? at World Cups, etc., away from Ireland asks Stephen on Facebook and you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 on text Frick saying Hi JP if rugby players aren't prepared to stand under our flag our anthem leave them play with England who decided on Ireland's call I didn't we are a joke boxers have no problem standing for our anthem and isn't boxing a 32 county sport if I'm not mistaken and the IRFU is funded here in the Republic says Freak. Uh, while Philip says, "Whatever about people from the north not going along with the national anthem? It must gall other parties here in this country in the Republic to have to sing Shina Fina Foil." Uh, says uh, Philip on text oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Well, on that and on the issue of Ireland's call and well, we did kind of explain this yesterday but this is the official explanation uh why why Ireland's call was introduced the song is used in place of the national anthem by some sports competitors representing the island of Ireland, originally and most notably the Men's Rugby Union team. Now it was commissioned by the Irish Rugby Football Union, the IRFU, for the 1995 World Cup because many of the IRFU's members are Ulster Unionists from Northern Ireland who would regard the use of the anthem of the Republic of Ireland, a Royal Naveen as inappropriate as it is the national anthem of the Republic of Ireland. While some all-Ireland sports governing bodies use are Naveen In international competitions For example The Golfing Union of Ireland And the Irish Athletic Boxing Association Others do not And many have followed the IRFU In adopting Ireland's call Including Hockey Ireland The Irish Cricket Union The Rugby League Team Curveball, uh, curveball teams and indeed uh, the Grand Prix team so uh, I didn't even know we had a Grand Prix team anyhow uh, the song has attracted some opposition uh, both on musical grounds and from Irish nationalists who prefer, who would prefer a Ron Naveen song of course uh, but overall Ireland's Call is the official song when it comes to rugby anyhow for when we particularly play our international rugby game and Noel says um, on text and I'm not too sure how people feel about this but Noel feels we should replace Aron Ravine altogether and keep Ireland's Call and have that our particular National anthem. It does say the four provinces of Ireland, and maybe that will keep us all together, uh, says Noel, and replace our raw Naveen. It's bringing back history that disturbs and that upsets people. So, why are we upsetting people uh, by? On it, be talking about this particular anthem when it upsets people so much either we sing it or don't sing it so just replace it if people are upset that's Noel's feeling so would you agree with Noel on text who feels the Aurora Naveen our National Anthem should be changed and maybe uh, bring in Ireland's call uh, because she feels people are so upset by this and Ryan who was listening to the show yesterday and Ryan simply said he was flicking through radio stations on a radio app. He came across our conversation yesterday and this is why he sent us an email via uh, the app. He says, greetings from Northern Ireland where the border is only a line on a map. The IRFU is a testament to what people of Ireland can do when Differences are set aside and we stand shoulder to shoulder. Good afternoon to you. Bernie takes your comments. 18.50 333 103 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And keep your gardening questions coming on those numbers. Peter Doddle will join us after 12.30 answering all your gardening questions. But just back to a number of comments into the show across the morning on various issues. First, on what we spoke about just before midday and this was Ireland's call and people's views on the singing of Ireland's call before our international rugby games and people had mixed views yesterday and again uh, this morning. But uh, to finish this topic up, Anto and Bantry says, with regards to Ireland's call, I've noticed that some of the squad don't sing it at all. But our two adopted Irishmen, Bundy and CJ Stander, both belted out in full voice. Maybe the others can't sing, perhaps, says Anto in Bantry, just wrapping up our comments and calls there regarding Ireland's coal. Now, on hedgerows, and a lot of people uh, questioning the use of our property tax. And with the 5% increase, it has led to calls on road conditions across the county. And earlier we spoke about some of them, and one Texas here has sent in their experience of hedgerows in uh, North Corkin in the uh, Duhallow area of North Cork and says only for the trucks the hedgerows would be grown out to the white line. This year I damaged my vehicle from a branch that was four foot across the road. Around the Gardaí they could do nothing but if I had a ball tyre they would have no problem in slapping me with three points. So then... I contacted Cork County Council and it took two weeks to get the property owner to cut the branch. So then I asked the council to organise for the property owner to contact me and pay for the damage. But I got no reply. So the guards don't care, the council don't care and the property owners seemingly don't care. It's a country of laws and nobody there to implement them says that particular person on WhatsApp and we were discussing about the IDA site in Fermoy earlier and indeed the future of the particular site that lies idle and why we should attract investment into that particular site and many people agreeing with other callers who say if we go to a particular industry for example the food industry that might suit them more to locate in an area of Fermoy rather than attracting financial services who want to be in the heart of the city centre in Glassbiddle along the quays in the city that's where those financial industries want to be but food industries are mainly locate in county towns near a city but not in the city where they have access to parking and all of that so with that discussion going on it led to the discussion of uh, traffic in Fermoy. and it seems even though the motorway is there traffic still very heavy in Fermoy. it always was but still uh, very heavy I suppose especially at a school time and school uh, peak times in the morning and the evenings as the majority of schools in Fermoy are located in and about one area. Uh, so I know that area can get very backed up with traffic. Well, on that, a uh, person here says, Talking about Fermoy and traffic, I was there this morning and yes, there is a backlog of traffic up the hill because they widened the footpaths so the traffic that flowed freely before is now stuck up Barry Hill. But, this text is saying on a more positive note, I went into Birmingham's gift gallery. And what a display The Christmas winter wonderland Is in full swing What a display they have I have never seen Such a fad display fab Christmas display anywhere else fantastic I was on a high when I left there so it's well worth the visit so well done to everybody in Birmingham's in my on your fantastic Christmas display we spoke earlier uh, to Simon on the breakfast show about Christmas three months uh, from today is Christmas day believe it or not 25th of November today so three months time we'll be all uh, somewhere sitting down maybe a bit too early yet but maybe you are early eating the Christmas dinner or you could be coming from the Christmas swim whatever you do on Christmas morning anyhow you could be also just getting up uh, but at 12.15 you would be doing something on Christmas Day this day three months and you're probably saying don't depress us now with all of that talk but speaking of days and uh, Christmas Day we have to announce also that today, and a lot of people have been on to us, is St. Finbarr's Day, who of course is the patron saint of the Diocese of Cork, so St. Finbarr's Day uh, and an always associated with Google and Barra as well, so worth a mention as well as we are talking about Christmas earlier on and indeed now Birmingham's and Fermoy and their wonderful Christmas display there in Birmingham's, uh, good to mention St. Finber's Day as well today. Now we spoke about doctors and the waiting list that people are facing to meet their consultants and then in turn to go for a procedure be that in one of the Cork hospitals or elsewhere in the country well on consultants that's one thing we got a lot of calls uh, in from people advising us they are waiting for a consultant appointment and then for a procedure we spoke earlier uh, with the Consultants Association on what needs to be done to improve the services within the HSC one of those is recruit new consultants into the health service to reduce those particular waiting periods but on doctors away from consultants for the moment on doctors there is an issue for a lot of people who wish to go and see their own GP because Tony is in the Clondraud area and he says I am waiting uh, for uh, I'm waiting over I I'm, wait- I'm on a waiting list for my doctor for over a month He says, I'm on two waiting lists for my doctor for over a month and I've no sign of getting an appointment. But that is quite common at the moment across Cork where people want to go and see their own GP that they have seen for many years. But because of the demand now on GPs and on local surgeries, there is a waiting list. And if you ring on a Monday for an appointment, you might not be lucky enough to get in. It could be a Wednesday or a Thursday or it could be the following week that unfortunately is the way it's gone. We discussed that with local GPs as well and they say because the population is increasing in some of those local towns but also a lot of GPs are retiring and a lot of younger GPs do not wish to locate to rural towns and because of that we have a situation whereby as the GPs get busier and there isn't enough of them in the practice you might have one doctor uh, working all day but only able to see a number of patients he's booked out for a Monday and Tuesday so the next day could be a Wednesday but Tony is saying that he's on two waiting lists for doctors so I presume Tony when you mean two uh, that you're going to see two different doctors and you're on a waiting list for those two particular doctors and you're on that list for over a month at this stage and that will tell you how things are out there in the health service when it comes to people waiting not only for a consultant but to go along and see their own GP Anyhow your calls and comments are welcome on that 1850 333 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103 A lot of emails to get through on the programme I'll get to those very shortly One though is from Mossy who was on to us a few days ago and this is a reaction. Uh, from a caller we had on it was reacting to Jim Daly's story Jim Daly the Cork-South West Westminster uh, who is retiring from politics uh, speaking about life work balance he wants to spend more time with his young children but uh, speaking of life work balance that did open the conversation on how tough people are finding it trying to leave work or leave their home in the morning to go to work drop kids off to a childminder or to a school and then rushing back from their workplace to collect the child from the childminder or wherever they are or the after school study to get them home and parents feel that by the time they get home and the majority of people that contacted us are those who were living in county towns so it could be for example the calls we got were Klone Kilty, Macroom and Kenturk they were the main calls we got uh, from those particular areas and those people are working in the city they commute up and down every day by the time they get home at 6, half 6 they collect their, their child from the particular child minder they get home they have dinner then the child is continuing on their homework and they feel they might only really even though they're sitting with the child while he or she is doing the homework they only might have an hour or less uh, with their child in the evening before the child goes to bed and then they catch up on all the housework and everything else that needs to be looked at when it comes to running a household uh, and many of these are families that both parents are working but they feel like they're running and racing every day and one of our callers earlier on this week said that they would love to immigrate to an island where everything was on the island they could work from the island and life would be a lot less stressful because a lot of people have are living in these areas maybe they're they're from the particular areas and they want to move back to the likes of Cantor Clinicalty and McCroom and live there and commute to the city or the majority of reasons is people are are choosing to live in county areas because house prices are so high in city areas well because of that and Mossy heard those particular views earlier in the week he says hi John Paul and Bernie I felt really sorry for that that family you mentioned from Kenturk on air who get up every morning at 6am, take the child to the childminder and then go to work in the city and not come home till late. They only have a few hours with their children before relaxing themselves and then going to bed. It seems to start all over again for them the following day, which is unfair on them and on many families which are in a similar circumstance to them. I Just listening to these situations, I found it very unfair. But there are solutions around these problems. However, Drastically positive they are. Society has problems and they are not pretty for a lot of families and people. Life is unfair as we know but society must make it fair for everyone, uh, says Mossy on WhatsApp to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. I suppose the question is, how do you make life fair? I mean, I would presume in the majority of calls we got from people in that particular situation, the reason they were doing that particular commute and rushing every morning mainly is because their where they're living isn't near their workplace, but they cannot afford to buy or purchase a house near their workplace or even rent at this stage so they have no choice but to move out and a lot of people move so far out from the city from their workplace uh, that, that they're so far away they feel like they're coming home at 7 o'clock 8 o'clock they're getting half an hour with their child they're in bed and their whole week basically is that and they don't have a life and more than that they just don't have quality time with their children and I mean if children are involved in the local GEA soccer club whatever it may be they don't even get to see what they're involved in because they are commuting they're driving and traffic has gone so heavy these days anybody who was listening to us in an office and is commuting will understand the traffic situations that we find ourselves in at the moment I mean, we're hearing from people who are spending a half an hour in traffic not moving in the mornings and evenings and they might have an hour journey ahead of them so it could be an hour and a half commuting and that's here in Cork we're used to hearing it in Dublin but it's happening here in Cork now it's, it's after filtering its way down the way we have dealt with house prices over the last two years that's what has happened that's, that's the reality of what is happening in this country so because of that that is how people are living their lives at the moment uh, what solutions can be made you might say easily enough more housing easier said than done I suppose uh, and there is Houses being built, but the prices are just extraordinary, and people just simply can't afford the prices. You know when you see uh, prices for for a house, a three bed ranging from two seventy to three thirty or more, uh, and a four bed higher again you can see why people will move the furthest away they can from the workplace to get a cheap, uh, hu- a cheaper price for a house anyway. Uh, but then that has the consequences. So what is the answer? It's very easy to say housing, but how do you get to that? Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see what will happen in the next few years uh, with house prices. I think Brexit will tell a lot for this country uh, when it comes to the way things have gone out of control at the moment with regards to pricing. And we'll have to wait and see. The next few weeks will be interesting indeed. Anyhow, your calls are welcome. 1850 333 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103, and keep your gardening questions coming for Peter Doddall. Uh, Peter will join us after 12.30. And just on what we were talking about there regarding families and how they find it hard and stressful to meet the demands of modern living and commuting from work, what one text here says, John Paul, some families draw all this stress on themselves. They want everything for the children. They have all these after-school classes for the kids like dance class, football, musical instruments. They put too much pressure on themselves and the child you cannot push a price on spending time with your child if they stopped all the running around and thought about going to mass at the weekend instead of where we will go next or what we will do next slow down and enjoy the kids they will have a big splash for the kids for the First Holy Communi- Communion uh, but they do not go to Mass Weekly, get their priorities right, says that particular person on WhatsApp. I suppose the big thing here is that the people who want to spend time with their children, but because they're working away from where they're living, they're commuting and they're spending an hour in the car morning and evening going to work as well. And by the time they leave home, they're leaving at 7am, they're not back till 6, half 6, and the, the child might not be involved in any after-school activity. The child simply could be at a childminder because the pair, both parents are working And they have to work to afford uh, to pay for the mortgage. And because both parents are working and the child is in the childminder, and then you have a situation whereby they're not back till half six in the evening uh, from the commute and they feel they're only getting about two hours with their child. Much of that spent doing homework. So uh, I can see we're coming from there that some people have their children involved in everything and, and they plan too much for themselves. But what we're getting is people who actually aren't planning anything and simply are trying to make a living and it's the commute is basically killing them, uh, it's slowly destroying their lives, they feel, uh, because they have to work in a city area, but they're living in the county and the, the commute and, and the traffic's got so busy. And that's why they feel they don't have much uh, enough time with their children, not on. Um, and, and many, I'm sure, do push their children into everything. Uh, and that is why they're not spending enough time with them. But uh, from a wavering hearing anyhow, as people who would love to spend more time, simply It's due to the fact that they are commuting and that's the big thing there Uh, and they feel they can't get enough time with their children. Nothing really to do with after school studies or anything like that. just simply by the time they get home from work it's half six, seven o'clock and that's the reality of it and it's all again to do with mainly house prices and people being forced to Uh, buy houses uh, away from their workplace be that 40, 50 or 60 miles away from their particular workplace thank you for your WhatsApp on that and earlier in the week we had uh, I think it was Marie emailed us We were reacting to um, various uh, news stories and one of them was political but anyhow Marie was uh, really commenting regarding Danny Healy Ray and Michael Collins organising buses and she felt that if every politician was organising buses how then could there be legislators if they were organising buses and she felt maybe they should go into the coach industry if that's what they are into well Sandy uh, replying to that and she said I was shocked by that particular Skibbereen woman's remarks about transport for the eyesight operation I assume she begrudges them treatment or simply just dislikes uh, Deputy Michael Collins or uh, Deputy Danny Healy-Ray for organising the bus. I assume she doesn't like Fine Gael either as I believe some Fianna Gael TDs also organise cataract bus transport and I'd say fair dues to them. Even if they copied the idea from West Cork at Kerry, well done to them and all those across the country who are now doing this. But I was shocked by that comment that woman made on your show earlier in this week. And another texter regarding the oil, and this is Leah of course, coming out saying that Ireland will no longer drill for oil in the future a lot of people asking we don't really have a big oil industry anyhow here in Ireland even though there was uh, talks of Barry Rowe a number of years ago but I'm not too sure what has come from that anyhow oil industry chiefs uh, this text is saying saying you cannot drill for gas without drilling for uh, oil in Irish waters I presume once Leo claimed uh, once one claim that Leo either did not know his facts or was engaged in spin when saying Ireland would not licence oil drilling uh, just as drilling. But surely if they're drilling uh, they will find oil as well not only gas as that particular texter not too sure how it works if you're drilling for gas and drilling for oil do you find both I have no idea Uh, but just making the point on what Leo said in New York will he be able to stand over that says that particular texter and on climate and on the issue of climate and a lot of people uh, listening will say told you so told you this would happen because uh, the ESB is warning that customers will need to be persuaded to use power at off peak times as the network comes under strain from the increase in data centres in electric vehicles and indeed in heat pumps. How many calls do we get saying with all these electric vehicles and the government looking for us now to transfer from diesel and petrol to electric, what will happen to the national grid? Well, it seems it's under pressure and incentives such as time of use tariffs are being considered to encourage householders to put off non-essential jobs until night are other times when demand for electricity is low but a lot of that is due to people, not too sure how many people are buying electric cars but because of heat pumps and indeed the increase in data centres in this country and then the electric vehicles uh, the national grid is coming under pressure so now new tariffs are going to be introduced so we are considered to use our electricity at non-essential hours so do the jobs overnight or when the grid isn't in demand uh, and a lot of people will be saying yeah we knew that would happen we earmarked that uh, going back a number of months ago and just want to give a note and this is from the Liz Lucy Memorial Run which we spoke about we interviewed them and we mentioned over the course of the summer well recently the presentation of the monies raised on the 14th of July from the final ever Liz Lucy Memorial Run they were presented to Marymount Hospice and O'Mahony the volunteer fundraiser from Marymount Hospice came to Inchigila to collect the cheque which They are delighted to say this is a huge amount and well done to all there in the memorial run, the committee there, a great amount of money because they have raised an amazing 20,660 euros and 30 cents huge amount of money. Well done to all there in Inchagila going to Marymount. This brought the grand total over the past 10 years to 152,553 euros. A huge amount of money from the community of Inchagila on what they have raised with the Liz Lucy Memorial Run. The organisers want to extend the thanks to everybody who contributed to the events over anyway in the last 10 years. To all those who donate with baking, sandwiches, spot prizes, everybody is thankful and indeed even those in the uh, ticket sellers, the tea ladies, the stewards, also to the local organizations who would allow us to use their facilities, uh, like the Hall, Evil Era GEA, Ankle Michael Vintage, and many more as well. So, well done. Huge amount of money there from the community of Inchigila. Uh, over €20,000 raised this year for Marymount Hospice from the final Liz Lucy Memorial run. And best of luck to whoever sets up something similar there in that area uh, for a charity over the next year. Keep your gardening questions coming. Peter Doddall, he joins us next answering all your gardening questions. You can call Bernie 1850 333 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Peter joins us next.
0: Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 103.
1: Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen For top quality plants, advice and value think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres C103
2: And joined by Peter Doddle, the Irish gardener as usual on a Wednesday afternoon. Afternoon to you Peter.
6: Good afternoon John Paul, how are
2: you? I'm fine thanks and the weather has taken a change from last week's sunny weather, beautiful uh, blue skies, people all out in the garden and this week it's uh, plenty of watering anyway has gone on for the garden in the the last few days, especially Saturday.
6: Holy God has taken care of the irrigation (laughs) problem And certainly in the last week uh, Yeah, big change Change in the seasons
2: He certainly has Well we've a lot of questions in regardless anyway Peter on the weather And uh, we'll start off with this particular one From a person No name on this But says I've got a question for Peter I've got an old Escalonia hedge But the bottom half is gone leggy And I want to fill in the gaps Can I set some slips now? Or how do I set them? Also, hydrangeas Where can I set them?
6: Okay, well if you want, it's the difficult one with the escalonians It's a difficult one to answer without seeing it. So, a couple of things you could do: you could cut it back in height. Now, that may not be what you want to do, so it may not be be practical or feasible. But if you cut it back in height, what you're what you're forcing to happen then is you're forcing the lateral buds, which are the side shoots, if you like, which are dormant at the moment because all the growth is going beyond them. It's going upwards. Uh, you're forcing them to come into growth. So you will force it to green up down lower if you cut it back in height. So that's the first thing. If that if that's an option if that's not an option uh, it's wrong time of year now really coming into october to be taking cuttings they're not you, i don't imagine you'd be successful but uh, a couple of months earlier so if you were doing it may june july august even you would uh, they'd root away quite easily you i would you wouldn't take cuttings and just put the, as they asked they just take slips and put them in the ground there that they're not going to take you need to start the cuttings off uh, in uh, in little pots or seed trays of compost and with a bit of bit of rooting powder. Wait, uh, once you have them rooted, so in about six to twelve months time, then once they're rooted uh, and growing away, you could plant them out then, no problem. But to get them rooted, you want to do them in, in pots or or somewhere else. Um, and the reason I say it's difficult to dance without seeing it is because it does depend on the light level getting to the base of the plant. Um, like, if there isn't enough light and if there isn't enough moisture down at the base of the plant, they won't be that successful. Now, you can buy, obviously, new Escalonias and put them in at this time of the year, yes. But again, just depending on the amount of light and, and moisture down, that will determine on, on how successful you will be. Uh, and in hydrangeas, what was, the, what was the question with the hydrangeas? She wants
2: to know, how can I set hydrangeas, and indeed, then, where can I set them?
6: Well, wherever you want, really, their ideal location is, Uh, somewhere semi-shaded so it's not full full sun but equally not full shade Uh, so semi-shaded and damp uh, kind of damp moisture retentive soil is what they love it's what they enjoy Uh, so if you have an area like that in the garden you can do it now you can do plant hydrangeas now most of them are grown in pots nowadays. Or are all of them really. You can plant them any of the twelve months of the year. But I would, I would always err on planting at this time of the year. Anyway, planting in the autumn is, is probably the best time for
2: everything. Okay, this person has a purchased tulip bulbs. She wants to know where and when will I set them, and what do you plant them with?
6: Where again, with tulips, you don't want full shade. You want full sun for tulips, or semi-shade would be at most, but a lot of sun. They need a good, free-draining soil, so a soil that isn't going to hold water, because if it holds water, the bulb will just quite simply rot. And um, they won't need much in terms of what to plant them with. Plant them with. I would. Put in a small fistful of grit, horticultural grit when you're planting. Again, just to improve the drainage. Uh, and the nature-safe uh, granular plant food is good. It's a store so one. Put a fistful of that in with them as well. Maybe the nature-safe granular and a fistful of grit um, into a good sunny position. You could do them from now on, but I actually hold off on my tulips till later in the year. I really don't plant my tulips <laughs> I promise it's not because of laziness, but I don't plant them until December. Sometimes it even creeps into January because when the uh, when the when there's a certain... Bug in the soil and I can't remember if if it's called the tulip fly or the tulip beetle and I can never remember Uh, but it only it can only survive to a certain down to a certain temperature Uh, and I can't remember what that is either I'm afraid but I think if it's plus one if it goes below plus one that it dies off Um, so that's the later in the year you plant them the better. And the, the damage from that tulip Whether it's a fly or a beetle The damage is It manifests itself in You have uh, holes in the leaves And holes in the petals When the tulip's open So I have had great success With leaving my tulip bulbs Till later And then I don't have that problem So I, I would err on the side Of leaving them off to, For another month or two yet
2: Yeah, miss the cold weather maybe Although you could, you could get the low temperatures Still in, in February or January
6: Well it's the cold temperatures I want I want, oh, to you want the cold temperatures yeah. And you set it I, in Yes, because that's when whatever it is, whatever my problem in the soil is, as I say, I can't remember whether it's a fly or a
2: beetle. Oh, yeah. And would that be for everybody then?
6: Well, it depends if it's in your soil or not. It it, it tends to be in most gardens, to be honest with you. Uh, And when it goes cold, that's when it's died off. So
2: So that's that's the tip there on on that one. Uh, Ted, he has bought rhododendrons this past summer. Now, would it be okay to put fresh manure around it for the winter as the leaves have gone a bit yellow?
6: Uh, fresh manure? No, it depends how fresh you means. By fresh, if you like. So, if you're using manure around plants, it has to be at least two years old. So, the ter- the term is always well-rotted farmyard manure, well-rot whatever the manure is, well-rotted. So, a good rule of thumb, if you're not sure if it's well-rotted or not, is it shouldn't smell. There should be no smell off it. If there's a smell from the manure, it's still too fresh. It's, it's, it's going to damage the plants. Going to burn them. Uh, it should be crumbly, like in soil or like soil or compost in texture. Um, so if it, if it is two years or more and there's no smell that's good texture, then absolutely mulch away with it. Uh, if there's a smell or if you're, if you're uncertain or if it's too fresh, then definitely don't. Uh, I wouldn't be, I would be mulching around it now. The manure is a good thing to mulch around it with because the nutrient levels, but also because uh, with, with the mulch during the summer, a mulch will help to, to slow down water loss through evaporation, but during the winter, a mulch will help. Um, protect the roots from freezing you're just giving it the, the, the roots that extra kind of duvet if you like you're giving it an extra few inches of, of soil surface to, to keep the frost up off it um, but in terms of actually feeding it with the nutrients I'm not too concerned about doing that during the winter I'd be more concerned about that uh, yellowing of the leaf I'd be more concerned about that coming into the spring when you want to get sequestered iron or something onto it
2: Okay Anne is in Bantry now she has a lovely salvia flowering all summer in a pot should I cut it back now and can I leave it out for the winter?
6: Is uh, that is actually a question that I can't answer without seeing it, because there. Salvia is actually the biggest. I think the main thing, if it's not the biggest, it's one of the biggest genus of of all plants. There's thousands of species, Um so some obviously would be absolutely fine to leave out. Some you could cut back now. Some won't be okay to be left out. Some won't want to be cut back till the spring. So it's there's far too many, unfortunately, salvias to give correct advice. Um, I, I send me in a picture, send a picture into me on Facebook if you want. This the Irish Gardener on Facebook. Send it into yourselves, at the radio station, and you'll forward it on to me. Uh, and I'll, I will answer it, but I, I couldn't hazard an answer without seeing it, I'm afraid.
2: All right. And uh, Bridget, by the way, Anne, you can send it into us on WhatsApp. I think you might have WhatsApp in already. So if you want to send a picture in on WhatsApp, 0862 103 103, and we can forward that on to Peter uh, to have a look at that one for you. Bridget has just set a new lawn about three weeks ago, Peter. Now, it's just about to start coming up now. The, the grand but also are the weeds. So she wants to know what weed killer should I use?
6: None. None. I'm going to say none anyway because I'm anti- weed killer. So if she's a regular listener, she probably have guessed that. Uh, but um, I wouldn't use anything on the lawn anyway when it's so new. There's, I wouldn't like even even um, you know how would, how would I describe them? Weed killer and chemical fans would would tell you not to use anything on the lawn for it until it's at least six months old. So. You'd be surprised. A lot of weeds that come up with new lawns, people panic and people think, "Oh my God, there's weeds everywhere." But it's act they're actually annual weeds, which just come up because the soil the seeds could have been in the soil for years, and they just germinate because the soil has been, uh, you know, agitated and 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 uh, worked. So those seeds come back into they they germinate and come back to life. They come out of dormancy and start to germinate. Um, And if it's annual seeds like that, they can look very vigorous and they can look like they're taking off very quickly. But actually, once you start mowing the lawn, then that gets rid of that problem. So don't be in a mad rush to get any chemical onto it. Number one, it's going to damage your lawn. Number two, it's going to damage any insect life that that could be uh, living in there and hibernating over there. Um, I would start mowing it when it's about three or four inches high and that may, the the grass that is, and that will hopefully take care of the weeds if if they're only annual weeds. If they are perennial weeds, Something more persistent like nettles or or creeping buttercup or anything like that, uh, you could look at doing that then next year.
2: Okay, and this person says, Peter, I have cut back my sophinins and geraniums. Uh, They were in hanging baskets and I put them away for the winter. Will they come back again next year?
6: I imagine the first one is surfinia,
2: which Uh, is like S U F I N N E S -S is what it's spelled here.
6: Yeah, 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 you're blaming somebody Maybe. else now, John Paul, yeah, you're blaming somebody else, your, your horticultural knowledge now should have got you to, the, to that one.
2: <laughs> I just saw that, I read out what I saw, <laughs> and there's not much horticultural knowledge, Peter, that's why you're here.
6: <laughs> the Serfinia Petunias are the, the what you'd be used to seeing, John Paul, in hanging baskets and window boxes, uh, yeah, the, the, all, everywhere all over the place during the summer they they give a great display during the summer um the geraniums provided you bought them in for the winter should come back next year the surfinia's they might you know they might they might not uh, i tend to to compost my surfinia's at the end of each year uh and start off afresh again next year you could take cuttings from them if you wanted to keep them inside but they tend to give up their best in the one year.
2: OK. Uh, John has magnolia. He wants to know, should it have buds breaking into flower at this stage? It is in acid ground, says John.
6: Is it, well, acid ground is correct for the magnolia. So the magnolia, like uh, rhododendrons, camellia is the same. All those kind of uh, ericaceous acid-loving plants. They're, they're spring flowering ones. And they set their flower buds now for opening next spring. So yes, the magnolia should be in bud. But it shouldn't be opening up into flower yet. Uh now I was in photo like yesterday and I saw some stunning magnolias opening up into flower in the middle of the autumn, which they shouldn't be, and I've seen plenty of photographs being sent into me on Facebook of it happening as well. Uh it's unusual, it's not it's not it's not that uncommon, it's not that strange. But they are flowering out of the, some of them. But for the for the, the the query, should they be in bud at the moment? Yes. If they're not, then it's probably not going to flower next year. Uh, should it should have be been flower at the moment. No.
2: Okay, Margaret and Bant here. She has a laurel hedge. Is it? For, it's very old. This, this particular hedge is, but it's overgrown as well. So when would be the best time to cut it back?
6: You could cut it back now of September. You could cut it back now. Uh, I wouldn't go too hard in it now because you, when you cut it back, you see you'll be you'll be. Um, promoting a lot of new growth and we don't want to promote that much new growth now because we're coming into the the time when the temperatures are going to start dropping obviously because that new growth would be quite vulnerable to, to any frost damage so you could cut it back now but i would say trim it back don't hack it back um that's the technical term to hack it back but um In the springtime then, end of February, start of March, that's when you could really go at it and give it its hard pruning because you want to encourage new growth then uh, because it's going to green up as the temperatures are increasing. So trim it back now and hack it back if you like, uh, end of February, start of March.
2: Okay, also a texter wants to say Thank you Peter for recommending Back to Black Moss Removal uh, They did a fantastic job So I would recommend them So a particular texter John and Liz Gould wants to know Peter, how hard should I prune back apple trees? They are about five years old And how hard should I cut them? Says John and Liz Gould it's, uh,
6: First of all I'm happy to, to I'm happy like, to very happy to recommend Back to Black because they actually do do a brilliant job. He's done a job for me a few times and excellent. But anyway, uh, in terms of cutting back uh, apple trees, again, without seeing it, it's just so hard to say. You want to, I can give some kind of general guidelines for it. You want to make sure that there's no crossing branches. You want to keep the centre of your apple tree always kind of good open so that there's good air circulation because what tends to happen with apple trees things like scab, and uh, botrytis and mildew, all fungal infections, John Paul, which are one of the the things that causes them is poor air circulation in and around the plant. So if there's an awful lot of congestion in the centre of the apple tree and a lot of leaves and branches taking up space, that's very poor air circulation, ideal conditions for, for infections to get hold. And and all this is back to basics, Gardening, because if we can prevent the disease or the infections coming in the first place, then we don't need to buy any of these nasty chemicals to fix them. So keep it good and open without crossing branches. The other thing is if a branch is rubbing against another uh, it, they wear away the bark, and of course, they, again, it's, it's like ourselves. If you if you get a, if you wear away some skin, again, that's where infection is going to come in. So, uh, no crossing branches. Good open centre. Reduce it in height by what well, as much as you want, really. But what you what you want to do is you want to look for fruiting spurs, and this is the bit that's hard to describe on radio. A fruiting spur is like a swollen bud it's quite different to the other leaf buds because it's quite swollen it's quite fat if I could show you you'd see exactly what I mean but again describing it on radio is easy. you want to leave as much of them as possible and your leaf buds and growing shoots for next year you want to have buds that are facing out as opposed to in um, how hard you go back it's kind of up to yourself
2: Okay Peter and are you out and about this week? Very good. We'll enjoy that, uh, Peter, this weekend. and We'll chat to you again next week. Uh, Peter, thank you for that. Peter, right. there all uh, there. The Irish Gardener, you can find him on uh, Facebook, on The Irish Gardener, or indeed on Instagram. And if you missed anything, and I see a few people text again uh, they sent in questions which Peter answered last week and they missed them. If you have missed a question or missed details, you can just, this afternoon, later in the afternoon, go on to c103.ie, click on on air click on podcasts and you will be able to listen back to all the advice Peter has given this afternoon on the show also if you're on the app go to the podcast section of the C103 app and you can listen back to all the advice Peter has given on the show today with regarding gardening so if you have missed your question or indeed if you've heard an answer to something that you think could solve your particular problem and listen back on the app you'll get the exact uh, details there or indeed on c103.ie that's it from us today I'll back again with you tomorrow uh, from 10am with Cork Today my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced we'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10 where we'll be hearing about the implementation of non-smoking fuels and a lot of discussion last year about that it's supposed to happen it hasn't happened yet but seemingly fuel companies have moved on uh, the governments to follow plus uh, on investments more investment needed for Cork and should Cork be split up to three counties rather than one that and more tomorrow uh, from 10am uh, we'll chat to you then enjoy your Wednesday afternoon new I'm John Paul McNamara